Last week, we started in on the, uh, the baptism in the Holy Spirit. I want to encourage you again. Kind of hit the delete button if you've kind of had some hang-ups. You know, I was praying about it today and how, you know, everybody here, I would say, I could just about say, um, everybody here is saved. You have stepped into the, the, the step of faith of receiving Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. If you're willing to make that choice, the rest of it should come pretty easily. Giving your, being able to say that Jesus Christ is Lord of your life, where could the hang-up be for whatever else God may have? You've already received him as, as Lord and Savior. So I, I don't want to, I, I think that I come in sometimes with fear of uh, apprehension. Fear is not the word, but just being apprehensive, being reserved. But in my humble opinion, you've already made the hardest choice. And it's not a hard choice. But you've already made baptism in the Holy Spirit. What I'm trying to say is, is not a heaven and hell issue. If you receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit or you don't, is not going to determine whether or not you go to heaven or hell. It is going to determine the quality of the rest of your walk with the Lord. And it's, it's only good. It's, it's empowering. Um, it's fulfilling. The Holy Spirit, Scripture tells us, is the comforter. And I want to just throw this out again. Don't try to over-intellectualize it because that's one way that Satan will hang you up. Um, I, personally, with my walk, I've had to come to the point of saying, Lord, if you're saying to me to do something, my job is not to figure out why. I would like to know the why, and a lot of times he shows me the why, but I don't always have to know the why. You know, as I've been talking on authority, those in authority over you, when they are properly in authority, and it says that God's placed them in authority over you, when they ask you to do something, it's not your job to argue, it's your job to do it. Is that how authority works or isn't it? So what I'm wanting to show you here is that, number one, Jesus asked the apostles to wait. Before you go out, wait, I've got something else for you. I need to leave so I can send you the promise and wait. And then we're going to see in Scripture how this is a very, in, in my opinion, and I believe in Scripture's opinion, a very clear second experience. All right, let's dive back into it. Um, scriptures are going to show us tonight. We're going to start at, uh, probably get into one or two of these scriptures. The distinction between the two experiences, especially we're going to be looking at the book of Acts. And as I said last week, are you aware that the book of Acts is where we is the only scripture that records the life and the activities of the first Christ, Christians? It's the only real picture that we have of the early church. So when we build a church, when we're growing a church, we need to grow the Acts church. Amen. When I went to this conference in uh, November or October, that's what they talked about is building the Acts church. Um, the book of Acts records the actual life and experience of the church um, of the New Testament age. 
And when we examine the book of Acts, we're going to find five passages that describes the outpouring of the Holy Spirit in, what, in where we've become to know it as the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And uh, here's the, I'm going to give you a list of those five um, scriptures. And I'm just going to give you a brief, a, uh, a brief explanation of those. And then over the next few weeks, we're going to go into each one. Okay? Acts 2, the day of Pentecost, verses 1 through 21. When, when the 120 had to go up and wait in the upper room. Now, did you know that Jesus encountered more than 120 after he was raised from the dead? These all knew it was, what, 500? 500 knew, but only 120 made it, which I think is a pretty high percentage. But only 120 went. 500 got asked, 120 went and went up and prayed and waited. They obeyed. The day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit was poured out on the 120 in the upper room and they all began to speak in other tongues. The next instance is Acts 8, verse 4 through 17. The Samaritan revival under the preaching of Philip. Miracles and signs and wonders accompanied Philip's preaching. Did you know where the word of God is preached, miracles and signs should follow? Third world countries, they see miracles and signs follow. America is struggling in the spirit. And I want you to know God wants to move here as much as he's moving there. But under the Samaritan revival, they were seeing miracles and signs and wonders. Peter and John came down from Jerusalem to minister the baptism in the Holy Spirit to these new converts because Scripture says, for as yet he had not fallen on none of them, the Holy Spirit. Acts 9, verse, 11, verse 1. The conversion and the uh, healing and the baptism in the Holy Spirit of Saul, who became Paul. Paul, on the road to Damascus, had an encounter. Received Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior, but then had to go on forward blind until he could meet up with a man that could lay hands on him and pray for him to receive the Holy Spirit. Everybody knows that story, but we're going to go into that. And at that same time, what, what else did he receive? Healing. Then in Acts 10, verse 34 through 46, preach, preach, preach. Peter preaches to the household of Cornelius. The people receive forgiveness of sins in the name of Jesus and are converted. And immediately the Holy Spirit falls and they begin to speak in tongues and magnify God. And then uh, finally... Um, Acts 19, verse 1 through 6, Paul finds 12. To, uh, this one's one of my favorite ones to teach. Um, Paul finds 12 disciples uh, at Ephesus who know Jesus as Savior, but have not received the bad baptism in the Holy Spirit. In, in this instance, and I don't I'm, I'm going to kind of uh, jump the gun a little bit, but they they had already received Jesus Christ. They had received the word and they had been baptized. But then Paul says, what about the Holy Spirit? Have you been have you received the Holy Spirit? And what did they say? We didn't even know there was a Holy Spirit. They had already been preached to and received Jesus Christ and they had been baptized, but they didn't even know there was a Holy Spirit. I want you to know, I believe that that's where America is. Don't even know. That is Acts 19. Verse one, and we're going to get into that that uh that scripture probably in a couple weeks. 
But if you look at all five accounts, we see the same truth emerging. That conversion, uh, we use these religious terms, salvation, the new birth is one experience and the baptism in the Holy Spirit is a second. So let's go to the first one, Acts 2. Acts 2. I don't even know how much of Acts 2 we're going to read from. Um, I, 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 I don't... If you remember, part of this teaching is so that you can prepare yourself. When, when you encounter someone at work that wants to ask you about the baptism in the Holy Spirit, you need to have these five scriptures ready to go. You also need to have Luke, uh, the Luke scripture. I think it's Luke 11 when it talks about how God will give the Holy Spirit to those who ask. It's important that we know uh, that we're prepared. But events prior to the day of Pentecost show us that the 120 in the upper room we're all believers. If you go and you study the scripture, you realize that the 120 all believed in Jesus. Do we all agree? All right. They were followers of his. They had witnessed his crucifixion and resurrection, and they knew that he had died for their sins. They physically saw it. It was being talked about. These 120 had seen him since he had risen. Kind of one step up on us. They had seen it. They were followers of his. They had heard him commission them to go into all the world and preach the gospel. And had seen him ascend to heaven. But knowing that Jesus was their Lord and Savior was not enough. At least in the Lord's mind himself. For he, he had told them to wait in Jerusalem until they were clothed with, with power from on high. In Luke 24 verse 49 it says, and behold, I'm sending forth the promise of my father upon you, but you are to stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. You know, I've, I've taught this. This is my second time to teach it. This is my third time to teach it in the five years that I've been preaching. And, you know, I've, I'm, I, we've kind of approached it in an, in an elective, uh, optional maybe course in, in, in the walk of a Christian life, but I don't, I don't believe that's right. I believe that everywhere that we see with the apostles where they were preaching, when they found out that it hadn't been done, they saw enough value to leave what they were doing and go to those people and pray that they do receive it. I believe it is something that you absolutely need. It is required, not for salvation, but for truly victorious Christian living. We can see that all the centuries of church of Jesus has been trying to proclaim the gospel without the baptism in the spirit. And I believe that it's in direct disobedience to the clear command of Jesus, who after he commissioned his disciples to teach all the nations, he said to wait. He used the word Terry. Don't go try to preach and teach until you have been properly empowered. It's Jesus's words. And that's what happened on the day of Pentecost. The 120 believers Justin, I don't have this in there. Can you bring up pro presenter? And let's just look real quick. Acts 2. Let's just look at it for just a second. You can just put the whole chapter in there and we'll just stop when we're ready to stop. Probably uh, at verse 13. Sorry, I did that. That's my fault. I've been playing with the 
software and it, we've gotten it off a little bit. And there were dwelling in Jerusalem. What verse is that? That's, I'm sorry. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, what, what uh, translation you got there? Do uh, New King James, if you don't mind. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all in one accord in one place. Can you imagine the church being at that point? Them all being as one, wanting the same thing. They had all heard God say to go do it. They went to do it, and they were praying for the same thing. Now, I will tell you, they didn't know what they were praying for. They were just obeying. They did not know the Holy Spirit was about to be poured on them. They just knew God said to go, Jesus said to go, that something's coming. I'm going to send one like myself to you. And they went. They're They're not trying to process it. They're doing. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and one sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And there was a dwelling in Jerusalem. In Jerusalem, Jews, devout men from from every nation under heaven. And when the sound occurred, the multitude came forward and were confused because everyone heard them speak in his own language. Then they were all amazed and marveled, saying to one another, Look, are these not all, are, are all these who, look, are not all these who speak Galileans? And how is it that we hear in our own language in which we were born? Corinthians and Medes and Elamites, those dwelling in Mesopotamia, Judea, uh, Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, uh, Paragia, uh, I'm just going to skip over that. Egypt and parts of Libya joining Cyrene. Visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs. We hear them speaking in our own tongues, the wonderful works of God. So they were all amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what all, whatever could this mean? Others mocking. They are full of new wine. Why would they say they're full of new wine? Because they were staggering. They weren't acting like themselves. And a key to this is, you know, we want to say that you have to lay hands and you have to ask and you have to do certain things. They're just praying and in one accord and the spirit fell on them. And the evidence from from this is tongues, but also the appearance of being drunk. There is evidence that some change occurred. And we want to get hung up with process. And I don't want to get hung up with process. I am a believer, and this, this will go against many, that you do not have to pray in tongues to receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit. You get to. But if you don't, that doesn't mean you didn't get it. Scripture says if you will ask for the Holy Spirit, He will give it to you. Case closed. Sometimes we get hung up in here, up here, and the, 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 the manifestation doesn't always want to come out. It does want to come out. It just doesn't. We get in the way. God doesn't get in the way. We get in the way. But can you see, can you imagine, then it, it goes on to say that, that Peter goes and preaches, and what happens to the church? 
It grows. The Holy Spirit is a church grower. The manifestation of the Spirit is a church grower. And it's his kind of growth. It's God's kind of growth. It's not transferred growth. It's not McDonald's convenience growth. Who has the best children's ministry or who can best provide for me? No, people get impacted because they, they, they touch, they feel, they see the presence of God. And once you get that, you can't go back. We can keep going to church and going through the motions and going through the, the, the drive through and say, I want the Big Mac and I want the Coke. Who's got the best Big Mac and who's got the best Coke and who's got the yogurt and who's got the kids playground and where can I get that? I'll take that. Or when the spirit hits you, 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 you don't care what the, what the programs are. You desire him. That's, that's what we're after. Now, we want all the programs and we want all the stuff, but not in place of the spirit. Not in place of the spirit. We desire, we desire the presence of God at Church on the Hill. More so than things our flesh would want. And that goes for me too. I have flesh and I have things I want. But without the Holy Spirit and without the presence of the Lord, what what are we doing? Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. You are not going to go hungry. When you get the Lord. Further evidence of this effectiveness of, of Peter. This Peter. Who had just denied Jesus. Jesus told him he was going to do it. Peter said there's no way I'll do that. And he does it. Through Peter. On the night of the crucifixion, he had led the disciples into hiding for fear that the Jews, fear of the Jews after the resurrection, but that he was so transformed that he stood to his feet and preached an anointed message which led the conversion of about 3,000 people. Do it again, Lord. It is, it's easy to read this and think, man, wouldn't that be great? But then when we've got people walking out of here staggering and praying in tongues, everybody's going to think we're drinking some kind of Kool-Aid or something over here. Do we desire the presence of God? And have, have I said anything that doesn't come directly out of what we just read? No. No. I think that, I think reckless abandonment. I think that we have got to be willing to allow the Lord to change us. And, and we don't know what that's going to look like. And if y'all know me at all, I like to have it together. I like to know what's going to happen from point A to point B every single time. And I don't want to get outside of that. But there has to come a time where God's power moves regardless of what we want. That we, were, we are to desire God's power to move regardless of what we think church is supposed to look like. 
regardless of what we think family is supposed to look like, regardless of what we think we are supposed to look like. Father, as we're in this, Lord, I just ask you again to fill us with your spirit. Lord, I know that your word says that we can ask and you'll give it. That if we were to ask for a a fish, you wouldn't give us a stone. If we were to ask for bread or if we were to ask for something good, you wouldn't give us something bad. Lord, and that's on the natural side. That's what a that's what a daddy would do. A natural daddy here, just me as a daddy, wouldn't give my child bad things. How much more so do you desire to give us good things to those that ask? And Lord, in a corporate fashion and in a personal fashion, I ask you to fill us with your Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord. All right, let's look at one more. Acts chapter 8, verse 4. This is the second account of the Holy Spirit baptism in the uh, Acts, the eighth chapter. Philip is one of the first deacons ordained in the church, goes to a Samaritan city, and as he begins to preach the gospel, a great revival breaks out. And I'm not talking about we're going to have revival for a week. Y'all, y'all, been in, y'all ever go to church where they just say, revival's next week, y'all, y'all come. It's not the kind of thing I'm talking about. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's good to have special meetings. And, you know, let me just give a shout out real quick. Grace Church, uh, Lyndall Cooley's church is having John Kilpatrick and Steve Hill and Lyndall Cooley. Are, and I, it's, it's at a church somewhere in North Nashville, not at his church, but about to have two or three revival services. So it's not bad to tag it with revival, but the revival that Brownsville experienced and the revival that we're seeing here is not a, we're going we're gonna to schedule a revival next week. It's where he starts preaching, Philip starts preaching, and people start getting absolutely transformed. Not even by their choice. The Lord just starts moving powerfully. A great revival breaks up. Miracles accompany the preaching of the word of God. It's a revival which signs and wonders put the divine stamp of authority and approval on the gospel message. People turn from paganism to Jesus Christ, from sin to salvation, from darkness to light. The new converts are baptized in water in the name of the Lord Jesus. And then becoming full-fledged members of the church, the body of Christ, they are, they are, they are Christians. But strangely, the word gets back to the apostles in Jerusalem about the Samaritan revival. And we find them here in this scripture. Let's just read it. Not in terms of what's happening in Samaria, but in terms of what's not happening. Let's go. Let's look at it. Uh, Justin, uh, I have verse 14. I'm sorry. I'm just going to have you go back to verse 4. It's uh, chapter 8, verse 4. I'm going to close with this one. Chapter 8, verse 4. I'm going to go ahead and start and you just catch up to me. I hope you have your Bible. Stay with me, everybody. Therefore, those who were scattered went everywhere preaching the word. Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ to them. And the multitudes with one accord heeded the, the things spoken by Philip, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. Now, do you see a, do you see a uh, similarity between the, the two meetings, the Acts 2 and this one? Already? They were in a Honda again. They were in one accord. 
That's, that's a terrible pastor's joke. You know, I, if, I don't know if you've ever heard it. It's, it's just one of those that you always hear. But notice that the, the, the similarity, they're in one accord. I think there is a key to us getting on the same page. I know there is. He did things uh, spoken by Philip, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. For unclean spirits crying with a loud voice came out of many who were possessed and many who were paralyzed and lame were healed. And there was a great joy in that city. It affected the city. But there was a certain man called Simon who previously practiced sorcery in the city and was astonished to the people of Samaria claiming that he was someone great to whom they all gave heed from the least to the greatest saying this man is the great this man is the great power of God and they heeded him because he had astonished them with his sorceries for a long time but when they believed when but when they believed Philip as he preached the things concerning the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ both men and women were baptized then Simon himself also believed, and when he was baptized, he continued with Philip and was amazed seeing the miracles and signs which were done. Now, Simon is a sorcerer. He's somebody that works in, in, in uh, witchcraft, in magic. So, and he is buying into it. So what does that tell you was happening? Something tangible was happening that the lost could see it. I almost want to go back. Um, people are getting healed. People are crying. Unclean spirits. People are being delivered. Um, possessed people are being delivered. So much so that the lost, and not even the lost, those that are Satan's workers, see something that they want. Now, when the apostles who are, hey, Justin, I can go to my, my thing now, if you don't mind. I just, I'm sorry, I'm making it tough on you. All right, 14. When the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had accepted the word of God, they sent Peter and John to them. Now, can you, can you see this, that it's two instances? This is not the same day. When they found out that they had accepted Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is what? He is the word. Right when 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 we see that he has accepted the word of God, they sent Peter and John to them. When they arrived, they prayed for them that they might have the Holy receive the Holy Spirit, because the Holy Spirit had not yet come on any of them. They had simply been baptized into the name of the Lord Jesus. Is that in your Bible? Separate. Two separate things. Then Peter and John placed their hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. It is tangible. It is real. I don't believe that you would ever question. You, you, you know, it's the Holy Spirit that confirms in you that you're saved. The Holy Spirit confirms in you that you're saved. We're not here questioning our salvation. We're questioning the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Scripture shows us clearly that Jesus valued it and said, don't go out until you get this. And then we see the importance of the apostles to say, wait a minute. Did they get it? They didn't. Let's go to them. We see 
that signs and miracles come with this. Now, this is one of the instances where it does not say that tongues were there. But you may, you, there, there is a, uh, an assumption that there is tongues evident, that there is tongues there because of the reaction of Simon. Are y'all with me? Something was happening. Signs and wonders were happening. It doesn't say, this is one of the instances where it does not say that tongues are evident, that tongues are present. But it's obvious because the lost see something that they want. And he comes and tries to purchase it. All right. So again, we see clearly that the Holy Spirit is operating uh, operating in conversion is altogether different and a prior manifestation from the Spirit's operation in the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Um, it's usually understood that the baptism in the Holy Spirit is an empowering experience which introduces the Christian into the supernatural realm of the Christian life. And I believe that here we see in this scriptural account that that's true. There were supernatural signs and miracles in this Samaritan revival, but obviously... They were taking place because of the anointing on Philip. Philip came spirit-filled, started preaching, and the spirit started to move. And since Philip, it says that in Acts 6, that Philip was a man full of the Holy Ghost. But it was such a concern of the apostles that these new converts who had met Jesus as Lord and Savior should also experience Jesus as the baptizer in the Holy Spirit and so move into the same dimension of power that impacted Philip. Remember at the beginning of Philip's preaching, revival broke out. And then the, the apostles said, wait a minute, let's go. They got more coming. All right. Hallelujah. Just encourage you. If you've never, if you've never walked through this, I'm telling you it's, where it's at i was baptized in the holy spirit at 17 i was saved at five and uh you can't tell me it's not real it is real and uh i'd love to pray for you if you'd like it if not hang in there with us just a little bit longer i'm gonna keep building my case but again if you're hung up in your head you're probably going to stay hung up in your head sometimes you just got to step out of the boat and expect the lord to Expect you to walk on the water. If you sink, what's going to happen? Jesus is there for you. You're not going anywhere. You have a covenant with him. You have a promise with him. Father, I thank you for tonight, Lord. We just pray for those that are sick. I do just lift up this entire list tonight, Lord, and I just thank you that you are our healer. You are Jehovah Rophi. And I thank you that signs and miracles have not ended. I thank you that the power of the Holy Spirit is not over. Lord, I thank you that you have filled me and you have filled this church and you have filled so many in this church. And Lord, I just ask you, as your word says in Ephesians, to be filled, be continually filled. Lord, fill us again. And Lord, those that are struggling, Lord, I just ask that they would get in the word and let their faith increase. Lord, for salvation, just to ask the Lord to be Jesus Christ, to be Lord and Savior of your life, took faith. You had to believe. And Lord, I just ask you to help us to receive everything that you have for us. 
Thank you, Lord. Bless this church. Bless our leadership as we have a meeting tonight. Just ask you to bless this church. Bless the youth. Bless the children. Bless the Bible drillers. Let that word get in them. Lord, that that's going in them, that can't be taken away, Lord. It's going into those little soft hearts. Thank you, Lord. Bless them, Lord. Bless this church. In Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. I hope you have a great rest of the week.